podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Monday's episode of the Terrace Scottish Football Podcast. I am your host, Craig Fowler, and I am joined via Riverside by Joel Sked. Hello. And Ewan Taylor. Hello, Craig. Hello, Joel. How's it going, guys? Ewan, how is it? I'm feeling a bit stressed because of this whole video situation, which <laughs> will only be relevant if the video has actually worked. But yeah, now the podcast I'd also is prefer if you turned your face towards the microphone off more often as well. Easy. See, well, that's see, I, I, I'm just, I, I'm all. all uh, at six and sevens here because I'm not used to uh, being shown. I had to tidy up the podcasting suite earlier, and uh, everything's just basically off camera and a big heap, uh, <laughs> which is pointless because all we can see is your big face. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I didn't know, I didn't realise that. So, yeah, that's uh, that was a concern of mine. I felt like Lenny and uh, and the Simpsons, like don't show them how I live type situa- situation. Because this is like the sort of dumping ground room in the house, so I didn't I didn't want anyone else to see that. Any of our valued listeners. And Joel, how are you finding this transition? Fine. I mean, it's just uh, just it's the same setup as always, but you just hit record on the video as well. <laughs> well yeah, but obviously, I don't care what you lot think you'll see in my house. But you know, the the listeners, I don't want them or or viewers, I don't want them seeing what my house is like. You know, or at least in a negative sense. So that was my concern. <laughs> anyway, oh, there we go. We're so fine. you and the self conscious about our room in his house. There we go. We found something. Yeah. Uh-huh. He lives in um, right. Linlithgow, by the way. Everyone <laughs> wants to have a look at it. You can actually see this room from the ground floor as well. So if anyone wants to see where the magic happens, then yeah, they can. Okay, let's get on to talking about the weekend's game and less about one of you in the spare rooms. Mm-hmm. And we'll begin with one of the games that took place on Sunday. Aberdeen defeating Ross County 4-0. I want to start with this just because I thought it was the most interesting of the results of the weekend because I don't think anybody necessarily saw it coming. I know for a fact that I predicted Ross County were going to win this game when Gary done asked us all for our predictions for the for the weekend's fixtures because, well, it's just a theme this season that Scottish clubs, whether they be Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, even not in terms of results mainly, but even to a lesser degree with performances, Celtic and Rangers, haven't really performed after games in European football. So, and Aberdeen, obviously, second bottom of the table, only two points picked up, looked horrendous against Hearts. They did get a good performance out of the side away to Frankfurt, but I still kind of thought they would come back down to earth with a bump for this one, especially against a county team that's looked pretty good so far this season, and yet they blew them away. Joel, mm. you're somebody that's kept a, a close eye on Aberdeen over recent seasons. That, that It's changing now that you're going at a job where you're only focusing on Hearts, really, but... What have you made? What did you make of this result, and for what little you saw? I know you watched the second half of Aberdeen's performance. Yeah, it was uh, it was really impressive. It was uh, it was a type of performance that got Robson the job. The, the the early kind of performances in his interim spell where they were just so full of energy, and that's the big thing that was probably struck me the most was how energetic and up and at him and just at it they were. 
even in the like the first half and continued into the second half. You look for the team. Miofsky was non-stop. Obviously, we'll come on to talk about individual players, but Miofsky, Barron, Shinny were all non-stop. Devlin, Gartman in as well was, uh, was was stepping in, and then players coming off the bench were were kind of buying into it as well because Hayes came on um, early on, and the fact that they only made three changes from what would have been quite a taxing Thursday night because they were chasing the ball for, or not if not chasing the ball, they were um, without possession for a long time, and then it's just that mental fatigue that you have uh, when you're uh, when you're set up like that, and in, in Europe essentially play the back five, trying to keep it tight, organised, but then to come and. On a, on a Sunday, the expectation would be quite leggy, but they were just uh, so full of uh, full of energy, and it was just watching the game. They made the they made the pitch when they had the ball. They made the pitch look so so big, like so wide, kind of so deep as well that they just really stretched Ross County. And then when they lost the ball, they were so quickly back into the shape. Ross County couldn't really play through. Only times County got a wee bit of joy was I think it was a uh, a set. It was a long. It was a set piece after a um, kind of chance after a long uh, a long ball. So the um, it was kind of the, the, the perfect performance in terms of what they have served up in league so far, and a really good response to having gotten swept aside by uh, a rubbish heart side last week. I think the thing that impressed me a lot more about this Aberdeen side compared to the game against Hearts and, and what they've looked like so far this season. And it's funny, sometimes subtle changes can, can make all the difference to a team that, that, that's struggling, but I just thought they looked a lot better and a lot more balanced in the middle of the park for having basically inverted what Barry Robson had gone with before. So it was Leighton Clarkson in the quarterback role with kind of two grafters, pushing high up the park in Graham Shinney and Elber Ramadani last season. For this this campaign, it wasn't working. Ramadani was a big miss. Shinney looked like he'd lost an extra bit of something after moving on a permanent deal in the summer. But for this one, it was Shinney and Conor Barron sitting more with Jamie McGrath just as an out-and-out number 10 in front of them. And I think that worked really well. Barron was very good at getting second balls and battling with that county midfield, which... County's midfield has been a decent strength of them so far this season, but it does look like a unit that lacks a bit of balance itself. They've got Connor Randall in there as a kind of, for the graph, the energy, the, the defensive side of it. But then they have Kyle Turner and Jan Danda, two players who are more flair players. And I felt that kind of hindered Ross County in this game. But Bannon was excellent at battling them, getting the second balls. And also, just when he had the ball as well, just keeping it simple. You know, they don't have to go for the Hollywood pass. Just... Get the get the possession and feed it to the to the man in space. He was good at that. Shinny looked like Graham Shinny again. I wonder just of having that extra 10, 15 yards in which to get motoring is helpful to him in order to play his game rather than playing further forward and then maybe trying to use that energy on more kind of knockdowns for the forwards or whatever to get him getting that head the steam going, because yeah, I thought he was very impressive and it played obviously a huge part in the second goal. They made an absolute mess of that. Like it really ended up like mm-hmm. they put it in the ball in the back of the net, but it was a lot uglier than it needed to be. Put to it that way. F- and it, yes, it was. It was it was scrappy. It was it didn't look like they would score. Uh, you see the relief on around everyone that did Duke did score having missed a chance earlier on, but I would urge anyone to watch, if they've not uh, watched the goal or 
weren't paying too much attention to the build-up. Watch Duke, because he kind of won uh, one possession deep in his own half. Watch him just start sprinting. And, like, Jamie McGrath must have had a 5-10 yard hard head start on him. And uh, by the time he got into the uh, the half uh, past halfway line, Duke is just moting him past him. He's like, I'm scoring this goal. No matter what, I'm scoring this goal. And it was just proper... Um, it was like... Um, he was running... As he was running like he was in a movie where he's been chased by uh, or uh, like chased by a car or uh, hunted down by a bus. Uh, rather than just move off to the side, he's just powering his arms and just running in a straight line. And it was just, it was like the last thing he was going to do, I was going to get into that box. How many movies have you seen where someone's been hunted down by a bus? <laughs> <laughs> someone's driving the bus. Someone's, someone's driving the, killer the bus. bus. You in? Come on. That's, not, that's that? not a trope, uh, movie trope I'm aware of. Yeah, no, I, I I thought generally it just uh, if you just look at the Aberdeen team, and this has probably been the case in the last few weeks as as different players have come in and a sort of you know, pieces have started to fit together. But it actually, looks like more players are playing in their actual position. Mm. You know, at the start of the season, they they they're sort of playing wingers as as wing backs. They're playing full backs as centre backs. It now looks like they've sort of got a back three of three centre halves. They've got you can argue whether Nicky Devlin. Is that well suited to being a wing back? But he's probably he's more suited to, to playing in that position I think, than he is at, uh, is at right centre half. McGarry's a sort of natural wing back, so it just that that team just looks a bit more like I, I presume how Robson sort of saw it looking at the uh, the start of the season, you know, and rather than sort of the the, the patchwork eleven they had to put out to begin with. I uh, yeah, I think uh, there's I'd my reservation when Hearts were linked with uh, Nicky Devlin and my reservations. I don't think he's the greatest player. But I think the wing back role probably suits some of the best, just because his biggest quality is his dynamism, his just ability to cover ground back and forth, and it was it was really really good against uh, against Ross County, and he might not have the finesse in the final third, but causes a bit of destruction, he causes a bit of chaos. So yeah, I think he's he's if in this in this formation, right wing back is his, is his position. Joel, you talked about Duke there with his determination for scoring that second goal. I felt like he just looked a lot more determined in general. Yeah. He, he, he was, to be fair to him, the game against Hearts, he was trying things, just nothing was happening for him at all. But he did seem to be just digging in a bit more in this one. There was many times where he, he harried, he hassled defenders, he he won the ball back in, in high areas, or if he didn't, then he at least stopped... Like attacks by you know knocking the ball out of play for a throw in or whatever, he did look a lot more kind of focused and channeled in this game than we've maybe seen him for most of this season. Do you think it might be just down to the fact that he was left out against Frankfurt and I was like, uh, oh, big reason I'm here this season. Uh, this season, cause I mean, there's a good chance he was had uh, opportunity to to move on in the summer. The kind of big carrot was group stage European football, and then in their first group stage match uh, against a Bundesliga side. He's on the bench coming off, and it's, I don't know if it might have just been a, a wake-up call because you've uh, you've got Miofsky who's had an excellent season. I think he's improved from last season. I've again, someone had got terrible uh, judge a player because someone had uh, doubts about just because he could score goals, he can run in behind, but thought there was other elements missing from his game. He's he's doing that. He's providing loads of energy. He's linking up play, and he's um, he's having a kind of he's kind of taking on some of the slack that's been missed with with Duke. And if you had both of them doing that, then fuck me, they're going to be a nightmare to play against the game. Yeah, I wonder because it's just one of those things where I, I don't know. I don't know if Duke did go in a huff. It, it, it looked to his performances like he did, but who knows? It might have just been somebody that's 
You know, he might not be the best trainer in pre-season. He might have just had a bad start. He might have been frustrated with Aberdeen's style of play with the ball going to his head quite a lot of time. Who knows why he was playing poorly? But if it was a case that he kind of had an eye on elsewhere, players just ultimately have to realise at some point in the campaign, okay, you're still here. If you want to move elsewhere, being rubbish is not going to get you that. It's just going to put off clubs rather than go, oh, no, brilliant. Let's say this guy's not scored all season. So now he's off the mark now, Duke. And before we move on, just... A little chat about County. I mean, it, it's it's really tough the way they capitulated and ultimately lost four goals and some of them were very poor. That could happen, though. I wouldn't be too downbeat about it in general. It's, it's hard when you get gubbed away from home, but I thought they started the game quite brightly. Aberdeen struggled with the aerial threat of, of Jordan White in terms of him knocking it down for opponents, and they got some decent chances off of that. James Brown had one. To, to level right after County went 1-0 down and then Ryan Leake hit the post as well at 1-0 and I suppose then the, the only thing really is just how bad they were once the, the game started to get away from them and then they, they allowed it to get embarrassing especially so quick into the second half where Aberdeen scored two goals before seven minutes had even passed and then that's it the game's over Malky Mackay was asked asked by the reporter no, this doesn't happen to you very often, does it? And he was like, no, you're right, it doesn't happen to us uh, uh, very often. Uh, since the start of the 21-22 seasons, they've scored four uh, or more goals, uh, they've conceded four or more goals against Old Firm seven times, beat by Hart 6-1, and beat, beat by Motherwell 5-0 last season. <laughs> happened a few times. <laughs> that was when Motherwell were absolutely horrendous as well, wasn't it? And Van Veen scored a hat-trick. Yes, it was like the only, uh, When yeah. I was under Hamill, was it not? It was like the only win in like months. And um, so yeah, they were lucky not to be down to ten men early on, as well. Oh, yes, that was um, that was I, a card. I was surprised that didn't get more of VR look. <laughs> Johnny Legs' leg was a different color. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. I can't understand why that's not looked at again. That's um, it's one of those where you you can't you shouldn't judge things by a still image. But when <laughs> you it, it was Brown, wasn't it? It was um, yeah, James Brown. Yeah, he's literally, he's like shaped himself into like a torpedo sort of shape. He's like both feet off the ground, mid-air. is like, I, I don't, you actually don't need to see the, the video. It's like, that's still image, that is enough to be a red card. Um, and uh, you know, he connected as well. So, so yeah, uh, I, I really don't understand how that's been missed. Right, Ian, we'll stick with you as we go to our next game. Dundee 2, Kamarnock 2, because a lot of this hinged on a red card itself. A red card given yes. against Josh Mulligan. Dundee were 1-0 up at the time. It was a straight uh-huh. red. The referee was called to look at the VAR screen. He went and looked at it, and in a rare instance, he stuck with his original decision. Ewan, I know that yes. you were very much against this being a red card, so I'll give you yeah. the floor now before I come in with a counter-argument. Yeah, now, given that I normally think everything's a red card, uh, this is a rarity, but I just don't see what makes this a red card. Now, it's a bad tackle and it's and it's unnecessary. So that I don't know if that was played in the referee's head. You know, something. You know, if, if a ball sort of loose and two players sort of lunge in, then it's sort of it's almost a matter of timing. You know, you can sort of understand sometimes the referee won't give it. You know, give it live. But this one, it, it, it was a bit of a swipe. It, it was an intentional foul, and it, you know, it's absolutely definitely at least a yellow card. But I don't think there's any of the elements which would make it. A red card actually exists in this case. Like he's not studs up, he's not 
I, I, I don't think is excessive force. I mean, that that's the only argument you can have to stand on. No, that, uh, that would be is. that would be my argument is that I think yeah. it is excessive force. It's excessive force and endangering an opponent due to the nature of the tackle. So you said studs up. Studs up isn't there's nothing in the rule no, no, it's that's not in the rule. Yeah, that's not in the law. Yeah, but it's excessive force and endangering an opponent. Because of the type of tackle it is, when you're kind of wrapping your foot across like that, you're kind of standard football tackle when you're just kind of trying to win the ball and you're late. Mm-hmm. That is typically not a, a, a type of challenge that is an endangered opponent, like a straight leg going head to head with somebody that can easily, you know, snap somebody's yeah, leg. Into exactly. It. Yeah. So it, it, it's not one of those. And to be fair, let me get this straight before I go any further. I, I don't think it is a red card. I think it's a yellow. However, mm. I do think it was excessive force, and I think he went in with. L- no real intent to play the ball and he went in really hard and I think yeah. that is it's like I say I don't think it should have been given as a red I think it's a yellow but I really don't think it's necessarily a, a quote-unquote bad decision yeah but I, I think having seen it again you know as in the referee having seen it again I think it's quite pure that he he let it stand and the, the only and the only thing I would say is that there is there is a distinct possibility that the referee had a better angle of it than we can actually see in the you know the, in with the with the replays because uh, as I've said several times like the, the camera angles aren't really good enough in Scottish football to have far but anyway we've got it and, and from certainly from from what you can see it looks like basically just trips them up quite hard <laughs> that you know that's what the tackle ultimately ends up being it, it's, it's not a red card and I think it's quite pure for uh, David Monroe wasn't it the referee that he's got he's seen that again and unless he's seen something as i say that, that we couldn't see on the replays uh, I, I think you really should have been downgraded to yellow i assumed that on the first uh not the first view but the first replay viewing that mulligan had caught uh was it was danny armstrong was it uh, armstrong with his uh studs on top of his ankle but then uh when you look at it he, he doesn't it's just like it's almost side of boot to ankle or ankle to ankle yeah I'm, it's it was i think it was a strong talent challenge a robust challenge yellow card for me so what about the game itself yeah well i mean uh, dundee obviously uh did well to, to stay in it but kamarnik really need to be putting teams like that away it's, it's kind um, of a disappointing start. It's almost it's weird to say because yeah. they've beaten Celtic and they've beaten Rangers, and they're probably going to beat Hearts and be in the, the semi-finals of the League Cup. But I'm a bit underwhelmed by Kelly's start to the season. I look at that team and I think it should be doing better than they currently are on the league table. And I think they've they've already thrown away points in games that they really shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I think it's straight. Apart from the the League Cup, yeah, your group stage is it not Rangers and Celtic the only teams that Celtic that Kilmarnock have actually beaten? I think since then. So like all, all yeah. you know, yeah. So the, you know, drew with Dundee, drew with Hibs, uh, could beat Ross County, could beat Bear Motherwell, and uh, drew Hearts. They but, so uh, beat Rangers Celtic. The, the the best thing Hearts can do is get a man sent off in the very first minute because <laughs> they have a clue. It's, yeah. it's, it's essentially like so. Kilmarnock because of the red card, they had sixty two percent of the uh, the ball, and I just don't. They're not mm. a team built for that, and I thought they got a lot of lot of joy in the. In the first half hour before before the red card, where the game was a wee bit more open, that they so when they won possession, they were able to get Kennedy and Armstrong to be direct and run with the ball, and then you had Watkins and uh, Watkins 
kind of played uh, Lashley, who would make moves wide, and then you had Vassell, who missed a couple of good chances early on. You had Vassell uh, as, uh, as as kind of that target man focal point, and they had they, for me they had a nice balance to them. Over the piece, he still created more than enough chances uh, or good enough chances to, to to win the game. Dundee didn't offer too much of a threat until uh, after going down a man down until the stoppage time where the put balls in the box from throw-ins and set pieces, but it was just they, they, Kilmarnock lost their way for a, a, a chunk of the, the the middle of the game. Again, I don't. I'm just from what you see of Kilmarnock and what you think of Kilmarnock, they, they, they're a team that, like a few teams in, in Scotland's uh, Premiership, are built to be be without the ball for longer spells than with it. I think they're also lacking a kind of finisher up front because Kyle Vassell is not somebody who at any point in his career has ever been much of a goal scorer Marley Watkins has had very small well yeah a period at Inverness where he scored regularly but other than that he's not been a a goal scorer in his career either and I think that was telling with the fact that they had 21 shots in this game and only hit the target three times and that's you know you don't mean need to tell you that's really poor I think they're also missing Corey and Daba as well, because they've basically... Now, they've been flexible all season with the defence and kind of moving between a back three and a back four during a match because they've got guys like Lewis Mayo and Robbie Dees who can fill in at full-back positions. So they've been able to, to do that fairly comfortably. However, I do think they're better when their kind of root formation is the three, whereas in, in this game and, and in recent games it's been the four because he doesn't really trust... It looks like McInnes doesn't trust Tom Davies. And for what I've seen of him in the county game, I can understand why. He looks very... I'm not sure he's got the technique to, to thrive at this level of football. And Dabba was somebody that looked fairly promising and it meant they got that kind of solid back three with Dees either on the left or in the centre of it. And with him out on the left, it's just not... It doesn't work as well. And I just don't know whether they're now lacking the balance in midfield because you've got two wingers there in Kennedy and Armstrong like certainly two attacking, proper attacking midfielders. And then you've also got Kyle McGuinness, who is a, a number eight of sorts, but could also be a number 10 and is, is known more for his attacking output rather than being defensively solid. So then you're leaving in this game Brad Lyons to do a lot of the work in the centre of the park. Mm-hmm. And I just think they're, without that balance on the left-hand side, I think that it's, they're maybe struggling a little due to that as well. Yeah, felt like a bit sort of, you know, like two distinct units of you know, the the defense and the attack and there's not really that much in the middle apart from brad lines and yeah a back four of four center halves i mean there's so many things that Derek mckinnis does that remind me of sort of a like a, a low-rent walter smith and that that is one of them uh that he, he thinks that sort of as a back four that would work uh, I, I think it's rare and especially in a game your opponent against dundee or like dundee rather i, I don't really see that, that should be Necessary, not that you're certainly your Mayo and uh, Dees and um, Finlay are all comfortable enough on the ball, but they, you know they just won't act like like fullbacks. Wasn't there someone um, recently? I'm just I'm just trying to Google it. Was I'm sure there was uh, his future. Yeah, it was. Uh, <laughs> I knew there was. I knew there was someone uh, said it was Brendan Rogers, Derek uh, Derek McInnes' future uh, Rangers manager, and he said this back in back in August. 
Yes. <clears throat> he did say that. He was trying to psych him out for the, the League Cup game and then they actually just inspired Derek McInnes to, uh, to victory. I would say that Derek McInnes has had his chance yeah, to be yeah. Rangers manager. I like Derek McInnes, but being gone, I think, that chance. Yes, yes. I mean, that. We will, I'm sure we'll come on to that. And uh, I think that there might be an opportunity for someone coming quite soon to be Rangers manager. But uh, I, I'll be very surprised and uh, raging if it's Derek McInnes. I've not really said anything about Dundee yet. I've got a main thing on this is Owen Beck. He's one of the signings of the season so far. An, mm. an early, an early front runner to be on our nominations list at the end of season awards for the terrace. I would certainly say he's a low knee coming for Liverpool, a young player. He's quite small. He's very young looking, but he's he's certainly got a lot of a lot of fighting him, a lot of dogging him. He's also really good fun to watch when he picks up the ball. He just wants to charge forward with, it and he is great at dribbling into dribbling into the space around opponents. And he's got a good set police delivery as well. He played a significant part in both goals for this game. He's defensively there's still maybe a little bit of suspect there, but he doesn't look too bad. He, like I said, he's certainly somebody that gets stuck in. It's just more his, his position and his concentration. But like I say, he's, he's a teenager with, with very little... Or, or, I'm not even sure if he's got any. I don't need to check that whether he's got any first-team experience behind him before, but... That's a, a small nitpick at this point in time because Dundee fans love him and having looked out his clips from this game, then I could certainly see why. Yeah, his only his only previous first team action was um, five games for Bolton Wanderers. Yeah, he's said. Uh, I think him. He he's been brilliant. I've been really impressed with Boateng as well. Obviously, seen him for Queens Park last season. Was he? Yeah, he was Queen Park the whole season. I was uh, getting confused with something else. He a game was really really good and. He does it. He does a job of in the midfield of kind of two at times. It's like two or three players, just the way he's uh, works uh, out of uh, out of possession, wins the ball back, and also look at him. He's, he's quite a positive passer. He plays quite positive with his uh, with his play, and he will tr- try and play it forward rather than win the ball and just keep it going sideways. So like these two sensible signings, and obviously we've not we've not seen the Mexicans uh, unfortunately that much. <laughs> Sadly, yeah, but this Dundee side. Under Tony Docky, they just look. They look okay. They're like such an undundee uh, side. Yeah. They, they there's yeah. there's no stupidness. There's no nonsense. It's just uh, it's just a, a team with a lot of energy, a lot of good young players, workmanlike at times. They're a team that are not going to score many goals. I don't think. I think Bakayoko is a good uh, focal point. I think he did a really uh, a, a good job against um, against Kelly. I know Zach Rudden scored. He's not going to score you a lot of goals. Robinson, I wouldn't trust him all that much in front of goal. But yeah, the defence looks solid enough. It's it's a shame. Usually expecting Dundee to come up and just... <laughs> this, is, this is not what you're here for. No. Um, I want yeah, to probably, laugh when I watch Dundee. I'm not getting a laugh at the moment. <laughs> probably the best Dundee side since the Paul Hartley top six. So, so far, anyway. It's very, yeah. low, very, very low bar <laughs> yeah. to clear. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's just been like complete nonsense since then, obviously. But uh, quite often, even with that team, they're they're uh, full of nonsense. But they don't look to me if they get relegated. I don't think it'll be by finishing bottom. I would say for Dundee, which is an improvement. Right. Let's get moving on to our next game, and the team that's probably going to finish bottom, St. Johnson. They lost two 0 at Hibernian, and uh, just yeah, they they just did not look like a good football team whatsoever. I. I watched the first 35 minutes this one. I just wanted to see how... Because I know that Tony had said that St. Johnson looked threatening and mm-hmm. 
then after Hibbs went in front, barely did anything for the rest of the game, which you can certainly understand because they're looked they've been awful. They were awful in the league cup, they've been awful in the league, so the confidence is going to be rock bottom. So as soon as they go go down to a team they're fancy to lose to, you expect them to then go in and lose the game, which they did. Mm. They, they were they did have a threat. We'll get on to talking about Hibs very soon. I thought that threat came from the fact that Hibs' backline and defensive makeup of that team in general is still not good. And that will be a potential Achilles heel for them, at the very least until January when Nick Montgomery, the new Hibs manager, can perhaps bring in some reinforcements to that side of the field because it was something that was just kind of neglected by Lee Johnson and the recruitment team, I would say, this summer. But like, so they played with, they played a 4-1-4-1. And so it had Stevie May... Now, McLean has often been criticised for this, even going back to last season, for, for playing one central striker and not two together because of the strikers they have, unless Chris Kane... Chris Kane's, due, Chris Kane's used to playing as a kind of focal point, one up front, bringing other players into play. Stevie May's always kind of looked at his best in this iteration of him at St. Johnson whenever he's had a partner. However, I thought May actually played well in this game, but he was doing it from doing the stuff that May does in terms of the amount of running he does across the width of the pitch and closing down and winning balls back in high areas and dropping it in pockets of space and playing through balls. But the two guys that were supporting him the most were Cannon McPherson and Dan Phillips. Mm. Like over the course of Dan a campaign, was those very guys are, high at one point. They, they, yeah, they're not going to score many goals at all. And you saw that with Dan Phillips' chance. It was a good run, <laughs> good pass for me. But yeah. when it comes to the finish, he's not going to, he's not going to stick that in the back of the net. And so even at points where St. Johnson are looking a lot better and functioning a lot more as a football team than they have done a lot of times this season, there's still massive flaws and that is just, it's not a, it's not a good squad. It's not a good team. Watching the moment where uh, Phillips gets laid in at the box, like uh, it was kind of like, uh, kind of like, sat up. Oh, he's in the box. Wow. What a <laughs> shot. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> I think it's the second worst shot someone has taken at that end of Easter Road after Package Abbey's uh, free kick. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's not too classic. But yeah, there's a bit like that. You know that meme like, what the hell is a polar bear doing in Arlington, Texas? That was very much Dan Phillips in the, the Hibs box. <laughs> it's like he really, he really did not look comfortable at all. But, um, but yeah, I mean, whether Sven Sprangler would have looked any more yeah, comfortable, probably not. Um, I was promised a face biter. I didn't see much... <laughs> Much evidence of no. face biting no. during this game. No, no, yeah, they just uh, as like uh, I think I've said a few times. Like I'm not, I'm not convinced that St Johnson's um, recruitment has been terrible. I mean, it's not. I don't think it's been. I good. think it has. You've said. I, I actually yeah. made a pull you up on this. You've said this a few times. You think the signings have yeah. made it be good. Who are these good players? You well, apart well, from well, the goalie. Yeah, but, mate, well, the goalie's good for a start. <laughs> Again, apart from the goalie. Apart from the goalie. I have to admit they've not they've disappointed me so far. But on paper, like they they have like I don't an even all right know record. On paper. Who? I don't know what look, who, look, who are these look good Jeff, players on paper? Look, look, Jeff got has scored goals in his career. In one one spell uh, in his career. <laughs> yeah, well, one spell. That's Matt Smith. He's a, a, a Welsh international. You know, McClellan's a Northern Irish international. He's, he's terrible. Admit that. <laughs> I know for a fact that St. John's fans don't rate Matt Smith either, and he wasn't even playing in this game. So, Well, give him a chance. Uh, <laughs> you know, Olaf Arma came from uh, Liverpool. He's also terrible. So, yeah. So, I mean, with every passing week, it's looking less like that. Uh, that's they... that what I keep saying is true. However, I, I will come back to the point that I think the problem was that they didn't have any good players at the club to begin with. 
and and uh, they've added a lot of a lot of those, these guys are, are quite young and they've added a lot of them and there, there's nothing you know they're not there to sort of supplement a the team they're there to be the team and because otherwise they've got to go back to what they already had which is is miles off being good enough their recruitment is that just looks like a team who have cut budgets big time and well, yeah, that's well, have, that's yeah. what has yeah so that that's that's what is delivered i don't think they're they're, they're very good. I think they'll be. I don't think they're a, a, a terrible side, but I think they'll be competitive. They're not going to be an exciting side to watch. Don't think they'll score many goals. It seems like now, St Johnston have entered the point of not circling the drain, but when you get into that position, when you're down the bottom year after year, this is going to be the third year probably going to be fighting relegation, and it's it's almost like a case of when not if mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think one of the one of the guys on our discord was saying that you know they'd sort of signed up to as a St. johnson fan and they sort of signed up for like a comedy season of, of getting relegated but it's actually it's just it's not fun in any way shape or form if you just lose 2-0 every week yeah if, you, if, you're, if you're going to get relegated get relegated in spectacular fashion <laughs> Yeah, they're just like not as good as every team they play. That's that's St. John's yeah. problem, and uh, they're not even doing it in a fun way. So, so yeah, uh, they they are in a lot of a lot of bother. Even if uh, all my, my the signings I think are good, come good, I think they'll still struggle, and they're not going to. Nick Montgomery, in my opinion, sent a message to Ellie Yuhan that, like the clearness of that message is essentially kind of you need to. Focus a bit more while you're playing, and we can get the best out of you that way. Because otherwise, it makes no sense to drop Eli Yuhan and play Yar Tavares from the start. <laughs> yeah. from the start. That's a real. That, that's a, it's like when the uh, you know when Jose Reno dropped Paul Popa to play a young Scott McTominay, who obviously is common to be a good player, but uh, wasn't really then. It's like it's pretty much like, well, if this guy's playing, then you've really got to buck up your ideas. Yeah, I, I think I'm sure Johan would have just be like, "Oh, fine, I'm fine. I'll, I'll be back in the team soon enough." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes. Uh, Didn't look like Tavares did uh, too much. Probably, I think he had one shot, didn't he? But um, if I, he did that. have that shot. But from for the most part, in the first, like I said, I only watched the first thirty five minutes. But for the most part, he picked up the ball and then tried to take on a man and gave it away. Or hmm. he picked up the ball, took on a man, started to get a bit of head of steam going, was then shoved off the ball, wanted a foul, didn't get one because it's not a foul. He's just built like the side of a fiver. Yeah, this, this is what we it's, saw already. This is what we saw last season. Uh, yes, yeah, and it's better. I mean, I don't think he would suit that formation, and I, I'm not sure Yuan does either. You know, this sort of four-two-four that that Hibs, uh, as you said, sort of have to maybe they have to play at the moment because of the. Those are their best players. They're, they're good enough to just outscore good players teams playing, this season. Yeah. They're just good enough to outscore yeah. teams if they're going to finish third because that defense is not good enough to, to carry a team there. However, they do yeah. have a lot of very good attacking options, Duncan. I got so we've we've, slacked, we've joked about this already. Duncan said in the in our, our Patreon podcast, patreon.com forward slash terrace podcast, if you'd like to hear that, where he said that Hibbs had the best forward line in the entire league. He, he then wrote it back by saying, if you take it Kyogo from the Celtic team, they've got the best forward line in the league. It's not a pretty wild thing to say, but I know where he's coming from because it's a very varied forward. Like if you include Boyle and Johan in it, they've got five players who are all a very good standard at this level who can all do kind of different varying things and bring different stuff to the table. Mm-hmm. Venti looks a good signing. Adam Lafondra has been, I mean, nobody expected him to come in and, and be this good. He's been excellent. Doyle is reborn and, and shown us 
Christian Dodge things of the past. And obviously we know what we're getting with Boyle and Johan's the most unpredictable player there is in Scottish football at this moment in time. The thing with their yeah the front five is it is good and it's very good and it's the fact that they are all contributing they're even they're contributing even before the managerial change like Lafondre yeah I'm I'm surprised he's been quite uh, such a, a central figure in, in terms of starting but he kind of I expected him to be uh, contributing I thought he would be a positive signing because he is someone who actually has a very good pedigree. I know he's he's older, but he's got he's, he's forged a very good career for himself in, in England and did really well in the A League, which depending how much attention you pay, <laughs> pay to the A League, but there is but with those five and the the variety of qualities that they uh, bring to the pitch is that Hibs know that if they're struggling in a game, they can bring they can make two changes. And they can play in a completely different, uh, a different manner, or they can, if they're not getting success via one uh, manner, they'll bring on someone else, and they'll get success uh, down a different, uh, different. Because you got pace, teams have to drop back, and then if teams have to drop back, you got dodge, you go forward to dodge and hit him, and then if you're hitting him, he's going to be basically on the edge of the box, and then you've just got you, you've got possession, you've got uh, territory against uh, against teams, yeah. It's uh, it's a work in progress, but very early work in progress. But I uh, yeah annoyed that they seem to have made a very sensible managerial decision. I think, and already he can see his workings, what he wants in a team, the structure of a team. It's um, he, he's got his message across very well, and that's a big thing. I do think he is a much easier manager for players to listen to, to understand, to like. I think he is maybe more personable he's a better man manager just like he has like stories from from johnson i think he was he could rub players up the wrong way i don't think montgomery's got that i think he's a he's going to be a demanding a demanding manager which i think players want without but they will know where they stand at all at all time yeah yeah i think i mean you know the the, the formation Obviously, I think it, it, it's quite obviously you would you would think that Hibs might struggle when they don't have the ball because well, you and uh, can he try it back? Can Boyle really now? Given you know the lighter stage sort of Martin Boyle career, I don't think he really wants to be his own half that much. So that is an issue, but it, it's probably also uh, in terms of build up because they won't have they just won't have that many players comfortable on the ball in their own half. I don't think any of the players that they've got really want to be doing that. So, yeah, and I think there was a spell in this game where St. Johnson sort of stopped Hibs getting out a wee bit, which if you know if St. Johnson can do that, obviously St. Johnson can't sustain it. But if if, if St. Johnson can do it even for a spell in a game, then then other teams might you know caught on. So it, it just it has it has the feel of a a formation that will work for a few weeks, and it might you know, might well work longer than that if if Hibs you know depending on um, who Hibs end up playing because it's not like the league's full of quality, but. I just, yeah, I think it will get rumbled relatively quickly. I did, I did wonder about this Hibs team once. The weather kind of turns a bit more and the pitches get bogged down and it's just a bit difficult to, to play expansive attacking football. But that's mm. why Dodge is really key to the squad yeah. as well because it just means that they can go long. Now, Montgomery so far has shown that he really wants kind of building up from the back. However, if he's got flexibility in his managerial game, 
then that wouldn't be a problem. And you could just go along to Dodge and get guys feeding off of him. I mean, Boyle and Johan's pacing behind is just frightening and Lafondra dropping off into his pockets and Dente, just that predatory goal scorer. So it can easily work once that happens in games when the attack's not functioning, bring Dodge on and just go route one. Whether that'll happen or not, we just need to kind of wait and see. Uh, the one player I want to talk about just briefly before we move on to the next game is Lewis Miller. I think he's in the running for one of the most... In the running for one of the most improved, he's in the running for the most improved player. I would say in the top flight so far this campaign. Within this season, I would say because he's had some shockers at the start of the season. Yeah, he's still very raw. I think it's fair to say, but he's certainly showing what I saw when I kind of scouted him on Y Scout prior to signing for Hibs. I looked at somebody that was continually charging up and down the flank and just using his power and his athleticism to make a difference at that end of the park, and then. I saw him play against Falkirk and I think maybe against, I can't remember, if he, I think he played against Morton as well in the League Cup group stages last season. And I was like, who is this guy? Because he's not doing any of this. He's just staying back as a kind of boring right back. And it was quite clear that he didn't have the technical ability or the defensive ability to to really function if, if that was what he was going to do. It must have been a confidence thing. He seems like a very confident guy when you hear him speak off the park, but, you know, moving to another side of the world is a different league, a different standard. There's always going to be doubts, and it's taken him a while. However, they're now getting something approaching the best out of him, and Nick Montgomery is somebody that should be familiar with him as well. And also, I think the style suits him, where they've got the inverted wingers. So it was Tavares on the right, and then it was Johan on the right. When he came on, typically it'd be the other way around, with Boyle on the right and Johan or well, Johan on the left. So if the winger's going to move inside, that's going to create more space for Miller to just keep bombing up that flank. And I think that's going to mean that this improvement in his game, especially from an attacking standpoint, is certainly sustainable. Right, let's move on to St Mirren 1, Hearts 0. Joel, I don't have any notes of this. I've not watched any of this game back. You don't need to, Craig. You've seen the story a million times. <laughs> exactly. You don't need to exactly. see it. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> So tell us about the story again. Or do you want to talk about Samirin first? Yeah, let's talk about Samirin first. It's a kind of similar story with them that we've already said so far this season about how much improved they are, how much Oyesanya is just a player completely transformed. He still has very little composure in front of goal, but he's an absolute nightmare for opposing teams. McMenamin looks a great signing. Kilty's performances have shot up. The midfield, regardless who's starting the midfield and defence, they just play well. St Mirren, right now, I think, they're my pick for third place at this moment in time. I don't think that's a wild shout whatsoever. Nah, I think, I think that is, I think that is. I think there's, 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 once a couple of teams settle in, kind of look at, looking at potentially Aberdeen, Hibs, they've got, they've got more quality. Joel, I don't get this, I get it to an extent, but I disagree with this assumption that everybody has that it's just going to be Hearts, Hibs or Aberdeen. We've seen it so many times in Scottish football throughout the years that Hearts, Hibs and Aberdeen do not finish third, even when they're all in the league in the same season. We've heard that Motherwell doing it before, Livingston doing it before, St Johnson doing it. I think Inverness Cali done it one year, although Aberdeen did finish second, but let, let's gloss over that. But there is, it's very rare that you get dominance by the teams that should be dominating positions three to five. And I think this could easily be a campaign where none of those clubs do it, and it's somebody else. And if it is somebody else, I think the, the, by far the most likely contenders are St Martin. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If if uh, if, if all three uh, of Hearts, Hibs, and, and and Aberdeen don't get their act together, then 
at St Mirren are definitely uh, best placed. They are just uh, St Mirren his hearts. They, they, they knew exactly what they, uh, they needed to do. They... Robinson spoke about it afterwards and he said they didn't get their press right against Motherwell and they kind of reset against Hearts and they were a bit I thought they were a wee bit more aggressive I thought they pressed a wee, actually a wee bit higher it was case let the, uh, let the two centre-backs have uh, let the two Hearts centre-backs have the ball and then when it got into midfield I thought they were uh, they anticipated it more that as soon as a Hearts player received the ball when he was facing his own goal they went and they looked to put pressure on. Fortunately for Hearts, it was Benny Beringami back in uh, back in the team at the uh, sitting uh, the, the holding role, and he was often getting the ball into his feet. And he is a good enough player to evade pressure, to keep the ball and uh, and turn it out, which which he did on a number of occasions. But there were always risky moment, uh, risky moments in that because St. Mirren were were so alert to it. And then the other aspect of the the game was. If they get the ball in the defensive third, turn the Hearts defence, get the ball in behind, get a, a, let Olesanya chase it. My God, he really, really unnerved Kai Rogues. Really, really unnerved him. Even just like uh, with Kai Rogues running, uh, just a wee bit of pressure on him, he was just, he just looked, he, he looked a bit skittish, a bit skittish, very skittish, and that kind of fed into Kent, and it was just so easy for St. Mirren to hit the ball long into a channel in behind. And suddenly it was Olesanya against the two centre-backs, but Olesanya was often getting there first, putting his body in. I think he only looked at stats. Olesanya only made nine passes and he was on for like an hour, but it was just his presence and his direct running that, that made a massive difference. Afterwards, Robinson said, he, he, he was honest saying that, was, um, that they had a harsh, kind of harsh conversation. Olesanya went to our broth and loan and uh, what was what did um, Robinson say I've got here it was a harsh conversation he went he didn't perform to the levels that we knew he could do at our broth and he didn't work hard enough it was as simple as that I sat down I sat him down and told him what he needed to do and full credit to the boy he has he has, he has listened so yeah he's the kind of the, the, the perfect the perfect striker for St Mirren in terms of re- replacing Curtis Main don't probably want to score as many goals as Curtis Main but What's changed with St Mirren this season is that they have a wee bit more flexibility in attack. I think with McMenamin coming in, so they they, they can they can uh, drop between a three four three with McMenamin and Kilty or a three five two if you bring in Mandron or or Alex Grieve who who both scored uh, goals in the second half. Mandron was very very harshly pulled up for a, a panic push on Frankie Kent and uh, it it wasn't I was that that was I was a surprise because he let it go and he scored and then it went to the Varchek. Very it seemed to be very, very generous. Almost like they had sympathy for hearts because the new hearts were never going to score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think I, well, I think Nick Walsh did give it. But he let it run yeah, and he then let it, it was run Nick Walsh's decision. As soon as the ball and then went it was yeah, and then for the, I suppose in that instance, it's then one of those cases. Is is it enough to overturn it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought there was even like obviously uh, the the Dessers um, incident in the the old firm was talked about again and again and again. But I thought there was there was much less in uh, Mandron's tackle than than there was in Dessers. I'm not sure he makes any contact really whatsoever. But I mean, obviously, there's there's a slight very. I mean, he's, he's, I think he there's a slight push, but I mean, nowhere near enough to make Kent just realised he sort of. Fucked it and fell over, I thought. Joel, the problems were hearts. 
Uh, there's the, uh, Craig, there's a litany of issues that uh, extend ex- extend into managerial decision, recruitment, and uh, a number of foreign field issues. Do, do I list some of them? <laughs> so, I mean, so, so you, you go back to the start, and I, 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 I express my, uh, my opinion on the terrace chat and that I wasn't sure about the full-time appointment in uh, Naismith just because... There's, there's, there's a lot being said like, oh, the Hearts were wrong to sack uh, Robbie Nielsen. I don't, I, I think that's the wrong way to look at it. I think it was the the lack of a more experienced appointment. I think the, the Naismith came in and that interim spell did, I think, did well. I, I thought some of the praise was OTT. I think there was there was there was signs that of of improvement. There was uh, there was aspects which which were improved on. But I, I didn't think it was uh, it was enough to go right. He was certainly going to get the the job, and then if he got the job in normal circumstances, I'd be like, right, that's that, that that's fine. They have a lot of trust in him. I think he is he is highly rated. Uh, I really like him. I, I like a lot of what he says. Like listen to him. Uh, some of the things I disagree with. Some of the things he said after the St. Mirren game, I would uh, I would I would disagree with. But the, the way it was packaged, the I think that really put pressure on him, and it had to, it had to be a really good start for Hearts with the way that the managerial team was packaged, and we know why it was because the of the of the UEFA. And I think a lot of people knew Naismith was still the the manager. No, even if Frankie McAvoy also said that he. Yeah, he would have the the last decision, and then you have Naismith saying thirty seconds later on Sky, uh, "It's nothing's changed from last season." I, I just, I, it was just, a, it's just a really bad look. It's just a really mm-hmm. bad look, and when things don't go well, it just it, that, that scrutiny increases more because of that. And again, I don't think Naismith, I think Hearts needed a experienced manager uh, to go into this European campaign to get the best out of a younger squad that they want to develop and and move on for for cash but the but then putting them into that situation like knowing that you're hiring an inexperienced manager but then packaging it in this way as a kind of technical it was just it's just it's just a mess and it's it's it put them behind the the eight ball so to speak and then uh you go into recruitment over the last few years i think there's a lot of the kind of right positions. Uh, a right, you can understand the right profile of the player, younger with potential. I think there's been maybe too much of that, too much of younger potential. There's a lot of players we've paid fees for, but there's been very few real success stories. And then you move into the actual um, on-field issues, and I think we've regressed since that interim spell with Nielsen. I think that there's, um, I think sorry, uh, interim spell with Naismith. Naismith wants a style of play that's not being translated onto the pitch. There's obviously an issue between what's happening. Um, so like how they line up in training. And I, I believe that the players really enjoy working under uh, Naismith, but it's just not happening on the pitch. And Hearts are just the most predictable, easy side to play against. And as a heart side that I don't recognise as a heart side, like the qualities I look for in a heart side is aggression, confrontation, Confrontate, uh, like really confrontational, tribal almost, uh, like big physical hearts, and uh, that's uh, that should be a good thing. That should be a good thing. But the hearts don't have that at the moment. They no, can't hearts deal. Are, hearts are certainly not big and physical. They're soft no. as shite. 
it's like the, the, the team, Scottish football 101, they're not good at the basics in Scottish football. Winning battles, dealing with um, dealing with like long balls, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And yeah, it's just been it's it's the same story from game to game of a team sitting off and allowing Hearts to have the ball, and then as soon as they get the ball, it's just uh, turn them and create chances. And yesterday's like six of the last was it how many league games played? Six, five of the six games we've had over sixty four percent of possession, seventy percent against St. Mirren. And uh, yeah, it's not, it's, uh, it's 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 not great. And then on Saturday, played after having a one of his best games of the season, Cami Devil in centre midfield, was essentially playing as a right on the right kind of midfield. Yeah. N- I was going to ask about that if Sorry? that was actually where he was. I, I was going to ask if that's where Devlin actually played because it was hard mm. to tell. I've only seen the highlights and it was hard to tell from those, but. That's where he's sort of been stationed in all the sort of team lineups. I saw. Yeah, Nace was said. Nace, he was asked about it, and Nace was said he doesn't. Uh, he wasn't playing. Uh, wasn't playing out wide. It was like he was more playing from the right. It was coming central, and he was talking about how he wanted to have three centre midfielders in there for uh, Hearts to be more secure when they lost the ball. But they weren't more secure because St. Benham often just bypassed the midfield and put pressure on the on, on the centre back. So yeah, it it, it didn't work. And Nace was talked about creating chances. So uh, Hearts created three chances in the uh, second half. Um, Rose had a header off the line. Devlin had a shot tipped around the post and Shankland right to the death. But at the same time, it, they gave up uh, kind of a lot of chances as well. Um, got lucky, like we said, with, uh, with, with Mandron. So it, was, um, it wasn't the worst Hearts performance this season. But it was uh, it certainly wasn't anywhere near what is what's expected. It could have been a sacking performance, like could it because it could have been a hiding. It could easily have been and you know that obviously requires everything to go in Samaritan's way, but if the Mundron goal stood stands, if Grieve, I mean that looked very, very tight. I think you've got to assume it was offside, but there's there's very little in that. You know, and they had they had the goal for the high boot disallowed in the first half as well, which possibly I mean probably again that I think that's the right decision, but yeah, I thought Simran looked dangerous from from set pieces in general. So oh, well, that, sh- that could have been. A, yeah, so I'm going to cut you off there. It's, it's a shame that it wasn't a hiding and it wasn't a sackable <laughs> yes. offence because I'm, we're now going to have to deal with more crap games exactly. under this management. So let's just move uh-huh. on, though. Livingston <laughs> uh-huh. nil, Celtic three. Celtic go a goal up, get a man sent off. He's thinking, oh, oh, this might be a game now. No, nah, it just ended up quite comfortable in the end for the reigning champions and Ewan. It's quite obvious why nobody wanted to spend a million pounds on Joel, Joel Newbley. Can't shoot. Yes, he cannot shoot at all. He uh, like you can see why he just yeah. I mean, that will come up in every single scouting report. The, the ball, this guy he can do pretty much everything apart from score goals. So do you want to play him up front in your team? Not really. Um, you certainly don't want to spend the, the million pounds that presumably would have maybe staved off the ownership change, which Livingston have announced today. So we'll, we'll see how that that plays out. But, uh, but yeah, I, mean, I, I thought Livingston were really, really quite poor. You could even go in the fact that Shamal George probably should save the penalty. I yeah. mean, it's a rare case that you'd blame a goalkeeper for conceding from a penalty, but it was right at him. <laughs> and uh, he, he managed to let it squirm underneath him. The, the Joe Hart sending off, that I mean, that, that was as good as it got, obviously, for uh, neutrals and, and not-so-neutrals watching it. Very funny. Just... Uh, <laughs> Just very funny. And I, I think Joe Hart's probably the most disappointed that, that Celtic actually came back and won quite comfortably because 
I mean, the man has a humiliation uh, fetish. And we're not here to kink shame, but Joe Hart has a humiliation uh, fetish. He loves fronting up. And you know, he's, he, I think he's sort of managed to get himself clean in the last couple of years. He's not made that many mistakes. He's tried a couple of times to, to pass it straight top position players, but uh, not really been punished. But he got a wee taste for it in midweek with uh, conceding that free kick. And even though, you know, it's like, uh, Pura Hashi made the mess of it in the wall, but Joe Hart was like front and centre. It was all my fault. Don't worry about it. It was on me. This result's on me. And then it's like, you know, like a shark getting a taste for blood or something. And he's just, he's gone for it again. And he's seen the opportunity <laughs> again to front up. And I think it was Alistair Johnson after the game was saying, oh, like Joe Hart kept, he kept apologising after the game. And we were just like, shut up, shut up, Joe. It's like, yep, that's because he was desperate. He wanted to do another interview. He was like, oh, this is on me and it's my fault. And I'm really sorry. And we'll, we'll work hard to not make that kind of mistake again. So um, you'll be annoyed. But, uh, but yeah, I, I, I do think uh, yeah, Scott Bain uh, did his best, obviously, with that chance that Nibley just uh, dinked gently over the bar that, uh, that maybe he's not going to do enough to, to stay in the team. But I, I, I have had a suspicion before the season started that Bain would end up playing over Hart just because I think Rodgers would trust him more with the ball at his feet. Now, <laughs> that wasn't a good start for Bain, obviously, with that mistake. But yeah, I, ju- I just wouldn't be that surprised if Joe Hart doesn't get back in the team um, I think so. I'm, I'm surprised Celtic haven't signed a new goalkeeper already I presume one is in the post but, uh, but yeah I wouldn't be that so especially if the league becomes quite comfortable which it looks like it might <laughs> very soon I wouldn't be surprised if, if Rodgers makes that that change I, I, you know, as he did when he had Gordon and uh, Doris DeVries and he dropped Craig Gordon for a bit I, I, I think he might do uh, he might do the same at least until, until a new goalkeeper comes in Joe Dyson Maeder. He was perfect for this game because Celtic went down to 10 men and he was basically able to play two positions at once. He was like left wing and up front as Rodgers did, which is the thing that I like that managers do these days. And I actually... Keep two men up. Yeah, I, I actually have my suspicions about those who don't when they just keep one man up front. The only, the only thing I think it's worthwhile for that is if you're particularly susceptible down the flanks or you've got certain halves who can't head the ball. But if you don't have that, keep two men up front so you can at least be competitive in the game and ask your opponent to to beat you by by going down the wings. But my my idea was was perfect for this. But there was a moment in this game where it ended up working out all right because Matt O'Reilly was there to bury the the loose ball. But my idea, very strange attempt at finishing a chance completely fluffs it Riley's there to score so it's fine but then later in the game tops off the score and scores the third goal with an absolute belter at the top corner he's a conundrum isn't he? I, I, I don't think he is a conundrum I think you know exactly what you're getting from uh, from Maeda and that he'll do loads of running loads of graft he will be a, he's a player that I imagine uh, teammates absolutely love having in their team other than maybe when they're looking for that clinical pass from him uh, or him to, to finish. And I think he is, he's, he's a player who he's, he's always going to score goals and uh, be, a, be a menace, probably not score as many goals as you, you, you perhaps hope. But I just think, yeah, he's, he's always going to be a, a rash finisher. He's going to snatch it, snatch it chances. The goal itself, good finish. There's an angle where I'm thinking, that's not far from Jamal George if you dive up there. Because mm. it was quite central. Yeah, he had a couple of dodgy moments, George, I think, in the in the game uh, as a whole. But, um, but yeah, no, he's a very inconsistent finisher, Maida. But um, yeah, I, I think him and, and um, Farashi, to be fair as well, are both 
the ideal strikers in that scenario, that sort of four three two formation that um, that you basically team should play when um, uh, when they go down to, to ten men with the sort of split strikers. They both they're, you know they're both comfortable wide and through the middle. Um, and uh, yeah, they, they certainly were very impressive through. To be honest, apart from the they they always looked slightly susceptible to that ball over the top, and it was Singari that was it was running onto it every time, and obviously it did lead to the sending off, but. I, I get the impression that Livingston could have kept on doing that all day and they wouldn't have actually scored. So, so yeah, uh, good performance from Celtic, unfortunately. Yeah, no, there's nothing really else to add. We've not really spent much time on this game, but don't think there's too much else to say. Matt O'Reilly looked really good this season. He's yeah. actually like he's maybe taking his performances up a notch. And but that's yeah. defensively and um, he's, he's already he's, he's only yeah. 22. So, Aye. yeah, no, I think he's probably player of the season so far. I would be yeah, favourite to, to win it. Okay, let's move on to our final game. Rangers won Motherwell nil. Dessers were the were the only Jesus. goal halfway through the first half, and I didn't see the first half, Ian. However, I saw the second half. Holy Christ! Ooh. Rangers are bad. Terrible, terrible. Boot off. Definitely so. Motherwell, Motherwell were Motherwell. I mean, extra. The, sorry, injury time. The five minutes injury time. That was fairly nondescript. Not yeah. much really happened. The 10 minutes leading up to that, from 80 minutes to 90 yeah. minutes, it was all motherwell, and it just looked like it was inevitable that they were going to score. They didn't manage it, partly in fact yeah. because they don't have a, a Kevin Van Veen this season, somebody to, to take these opportunities yeah. that they do get. But it was just wild to watch Rangers uh, look so so susceptible in, in this game that yeah. they did, especially with leading 1-0. And I knew that, I actually knew that going into the, the choice of games, because Aberdeen were 2-0 up on North County and Rangers were 1-0 up. And I was like, right, I can watch the second half of one of these two games. So I was like, no, I'll watch Rangers, because they're, they're going to be rubbish. And, and Mother yep. will have a chance. And I was right. You were right. You were right. Yeah, I mean, I think if uh, Al McGregor was still in goals, or John McLaughlin, or Robbie McCrory, then I think Rangers don't win that today. Um, and that not the Butland was it wasn't that he made amazing saves it was that he just he didn't make a massive mistake which one of them would have um, and uh, you know dealt with cross balls and stuff pretty well which uh, again was, was always a flaw yeah some baffling decisions made by Michael Beale today the start of 11 was odd obviously Scott Wright who <laughs> tried, tried to exile him on several occasions throughout the summer um, but he just just kept on turning up again to training. So <laughs> he didn't want to sign for Appendix 4. I mean, he seems I to know the players' names. He does. So he said, all right, so you know, he'll just keep picking you then, will we? So, you know, he, so he came in from, from pretty much nowhere to, to start, which was, was odd. Because it feels like we had to sort of play with two wingy wingers now, even though the, all the recruitment was based around not playing with wingers. But the, the, the most bizarre thing was obviously uh, so Rangers are one nil up, um, and then Matondo. Well, I, I don't know why we like. Apparently, this is quite a bad injury, but it was quite obvious that something had gone in Matondo's knee, and they let him play on for another like five minutes, um, and then he had to go off. And to, <laughs> I mean, to, to sub uh, a winger after about half an hour for a centre half in a home game uh, against Motherwell. It's one of the most bizarre substitutions I've ever, I think I could ever remember seeing for Rangers manager. And John, John Suter came on. John Suter came on, yeah. And and now you can, obviously, you know, that's to go to a back three. But it wasn't a back three, it was a back five. Because Barisic and Tavernier did not change their positioning 
one bit from how they would normally play. I mean, I would need, I would love to see actually, uh, you know, like an average position map from you know first half and second half. But they were, as far as a, you know, it certainly looked to me that they played exactly the same way they would have played if they had wingers in front of them. They also John Lundstrom was split in the centre halves, but there's, I mean, you can't split three centre halves. There's no space. Why? Why? So it, he was just coming, and so it was like then it was becoming like a, a flat back four again, but with uh, Lundstrom in the middle of it. It it was none of the, basically none of the other players seemed to react to the fact that we were then we changed the formation. They they kept playing exactly the same way, which uh, which didn't work at all. Motherwell tweaked it so they then had an overload in in midfield, and you know it was basically had three centre halves marking Theo Bear of all people. So which is is overkill. I think it's fair to say it it was absolutely bizarre, and it was one of those where I don't think any of the players played well. And and you definitely could take issue with with a lot of the performances sort of individually as as, uh, uh, as players, but I find it hard to really slate any of the players individually because I think what chance do you have playing in that? <laughs> Nobody knew what they were meant to be doing, so which is pretty damning because I mean this is not the first time that's happened this season, um, but I think it is probably the 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 worst example of it. So, so yeah, some I, manager I, I was, trying to be too clever. Yes. Very much so, but um, he just—I mean—really looked like he confused the the team. He has gone on about playing a back three a lot uh, without having done it very often. Um, at least you know, the, you know, he's dropped sort of Lundstrom into it a few times, but he's never really played three centre halves out and out like that uh, in many games. But yeah, it just—it didn't look like it had been worked on at all. Which, given how often it's been mentioned, you'd think it, it should have been. As a as a Rangers or Celtic manager, you don't need to overthink things. And in, uh, in, when you're playing in Scottish football, Michael Beale yeah. overthinks it, and he's he seems like he wants to have real control. There's there's no yeah. there's there's that, no that, element that is of the main thing he wants. Yeah, very much it's control. There's there's no element of uh, kind of chaos or allowing players to play, express themselves a wee bit of freedom. It's just safe and it's uh, it's dull. And some of the some of the quite some of the decisions uh, this this game just absolutely baffling. And it's another thing that the the reason Rangers won't start winning uh, trophies on a regular basis because your squad is just it's just too nice. It's like or it's just like it's too it's just indifferent. Like um, there's. I, I, growing up, I just like look at Rangers think it's like, well, he's a prick, he's a prick, he's a prick. Yeah. But um, and they're just they're always kind of nightmare to play games. But I'm saying this in a good way, I, I, like mm-hmm. I, yeah, yeah, like uh, it should be uh, taken as a compliment. But um, no, I, I just there's yeah, there's there's something yeah. not quite right about Rangers and got to break it to uh, you and unless you you make a very good managerial appointment um, soon. You will no longer be on. Sorry, you will no longer be leading the um um the um the what do you call it? leading the way on trophies um one in terms no, of Scottish Premiership. No, we won't. Yeah, I, 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 uh, yes, that is a concern. I mean, well, it depends how you look at it. Good. It's either fifty-five or one. So, got ways to go. Um, but yes, no, I yeah, it's uh, it's not going to um. A lot needs to change the Rangers, and it's not just Michael Beale, um, but that he, he does need to to leave his post soon, please, because yeah, he, I think he's just he, he's got himself in a fankle, and it reminds me a wee bit of Cathro at, at, at Hearts, 
and I, I think you feel as a better manager than than Castro, I think. But he's just got himself a bit. He's got a bit confused, and and I think he, he can't really see the wood from the trees at the moment. And you know, to back up what was obviously the best result of the season so far, you know, to beat uh, Betis in, in midweek, to follow up with with that nonsense today. I mean, yeah, it's another win, but pff, it really, it really was the, the yeah. I, mean, I was more annoyed at that today than I was when we could beat Bakumarnak because I think it was worse. So, so yeah, it's um, it's really, really, um, yeah. I mean, it just, it just feels like you're 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 one result away. And it was I was watching it and I wasn't that like. I wouldn't have been that gutted if Motherwell had scored at the end because I think it might have just brought on what needs to happen sooner, to be honest. Uh, a bit like the the heart situation. So, uh, yeah. Well, it's um, I, I I just yeah I really don't think people's long for the the Rangers job, and uh, it would just be I thought the better result might you know go quite badly, but it obviously didn't. But uh, if any of the next uh, couple of games don't go well, then uh, yeah, I think that'll be him. The only thing really to say on Motherwell is that just continue to be impressed by Stuart Kettlewell and how he organises and, and fashions his teams. It was just a kind of slight tweak to the their system, from, certainly from the last time I saw them, where it was Slattery and Spittle were flanking Theo Bear. They, <laughs> I'll mention him in a second, but with Lenny Miller... And Harry Payton also in the midfield, but that worked well. They're all guys who could play with the ball. They're all very good at interchanging with each other, kind of these one, two touch kind of movements, especially around the penalty area, how the fans should chances. It's just really squeezing everything there is to get out of that squad. And like I said earlier, if they did have a, a proper forward, then they would really be in my mind for a, another potential quote unquote interloper for, for the third place along with St. Mirren. I just think that's going to hold them back and bear. I mean, the, 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 it was a, there was an opportunity they had where, I can't remember who it was, was streaking down the left, but Bear just had to play the pass, wait it into his path, and Motherwell were on for a very good opportunity there, and instead he smashed it well in front of him, and he couldn't even keep the ball in play. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was but even, when, even when Bear's at the side, it's going to get better with Conor Wilkinson, and it's going to get better... Well, to be fair, Mika Beerus is, I think, back a little bit sooner than we maybe initially thought after he, he suffered his injury against St. Mirren. So he might, if if he is the player that he, he showed that he might be in that game against Hibs, and that's a different story. But the other options, Wilkinson, Shaw, it's an improvement on Bear, but it's not much of an improvement, mm-hmm. and that's still going to be an issue for them, I think, yeah. for, uh, ah. for most of the campaign. And like I say, unless unless Breedeth does uh, live up to the billing, yeah, I think with with Motherwell is that the you know that which is uh, you know to the credit of Kettlewell is that they're much better than some of their parts because the mm-hmm. parts are pretty ropey, but you know they actually he's found a way to put those players together that actually looks really quite good and individual. I mean, they really lack individual quality. They lack a bit of pace and power. I think at times. Yeah, you know, in, in the forward areas anyway, they, they don't really have that one-on-one ability you know, for, for anyone to sort of beat their opponent just with a bit of skill or whatever. But they, they do, you know, they, they, what for the success they have is through just actually playing really well and looking really well coached and, and playing as a, as a team. So it's impressive, but yeah, you do wonder if, uh, you know, if it does just that sort of lack of individual quality or sort of hold them back a wee bit. 
Okay, that'll do us. Thank you very much for listening. About run a bit long on this episode, but we hope you enjoyed it. Regardless, we're um, yeah, we're we're shooting off now. So <laughs> there's nothing really else to say. If you like to hear more from the Terrace Podcast, in addition to all the other podcasts that we've done that are available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all your typical podcast players, then you can head over to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Terrace Podcast, whether as an average of an, an additional five extra podcasts per week and you can get all of them for only five pounds a month but if you only want a little bit more so you only want two extra podcasts a week well we've got a two pound tier a month for that as well and like i said i think the last time there's very little in life you can buy for two pound these days let alone two pound a month so there you go uh a real bargain joel actually do you want to plug something as well it's uh, only going to cost two pound a month quite soon and even at this current time i think it only costs one pound a month uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm in a real rush at the moment. But uh, yeah, uh, I am um, the editor of Heart Standards, uh, a, a new website dedicated to coverage of Heart of Melbourne Football Club. And yes, what a time to do it! What could possibly go wrong? Three away games uh, in a row when we when we launched. But uh, yeah, you can read all about it. For I think it's one pound for six months or twelve pound for twelve months. Before, uh, that's the that's the opening offer. So yeah, if you um, if you want to uh, read about how miserable hearts are, or if you're a hearts fan, check it out. At least for six months. Right. Joel, say goodbye. Goodbye. You'd say goodbye. Goodbye. And I'm Craig Fowler saying Naismith out. Goodbye. Sports Social Podcast Network.